Welcome to the Rare Disorders Digest, a podcast series. Thank you for joining us. Our goal with the series is to inform and educate our diverse audience on a range of rare disorders as we strive to bring rarity to reality. The series will bring together healthcare professionals, researchers, and other experts to provide varied and insightful perspectives on the current medical and scientific knowledge that there is in regards to rare disorders. Welcome back to Rare Disorders Digest, focusing on CMV infection in transplant recipients. In episode three, we will be discussing clinical experiences and challenges with the treatment of post-transplant CMV infection. Glad to have you back with us, Dr. Sassadeus. Thank you, Jeff. So, Dr. Sassadeus, could you share some of your experiences with managing CMV infections in your clinical practice? So, basically, we sort of touched upon this in the previous podcast, and what we talked about is that post-transplant CMV management is essentially divided into two types of approaches. That, uh, in terms of prevention, and that is prevention through using prophylaxis or preemptive therapy. Uh, and we'll elaborate on that in a moment. The other approach is to treat invasive disease, and clearly the preventative approaches are aimed at preventing our patients developing invasive disease. So let me just focus now on the two strategies for prevention. Particularly in stem cell transplantation, Traditionally, the usual approach has been preemptive therapy. So what happens in this situation is that the patient undergoes regular CMV viral load estimations once or twice weekly. Patients have a viral load estimation, and if it reaches a certain threshold, which varies between different institutions, then that person is given CMV antiviral therapy until they become PCR negative, and then it is stopped. This is usually an approach that is started after the patient in grafts in all seropositive either donor or recipient situations. And it continues at least until the day 100 post-transplant or longer if there is ongoing graft-versus-host disease and immunosuppression. In solid organ transplantation, the approach is somewhat different in that usually a prophylaxis approach is what is used. Under those situations, if the patient is at risk of CMV disease, and that's based on the donor and recipient serological status, you then give antiviral therapy to all high-risk individuals. These will be always D plus, R minus situations, but also certain R plus situations as well. Patients will again continue their therapy for their high-risk period, which varies and is usually between three to six months post-treatment. More recently, a new drug, latermavir, has become available and is also emerging as a prophylactic therapy in stem cell transplant and is gaining popularity and may even replace preemptive therapy as the approach used in stem cell transplant. So each of these approaches has its pluses and minuses. Preemptive therapy shortens the duration of antiviral therapy and also its associated toxicity and allows CMV antigens to be expressed and therefore the establishment of CMV immune reconstitution. But it is not as effective as preventing off-target CMV effects, which are also clinically significant, and there is also a small rate of breakthrough of invasive disease. 
It also requires very well-established logistics to be effective. In essence, you need a system where tests are routinely done without fail and there is a system to follow them up and treat those patients effectively, which is both labour and cost-intensive. Prophylaxis, on the other hand, is essentially a much simpler approach, given that you basically just give antiviral prophylaxis to anyone at risk of invasive disease. But it prevents CMV-specific immune reconstitution and is associated with significant toxicity. This is especially an issue with hematological toxicity in stem cell transplants where engraftment is a problem and ganciclovir in particular can impair appropriate engraftment. However, as we touched upon, it is an easy approach and doesn't require monitoring and complicated logistics. Thank you for the in-depth explanation. And now could you tell us more about some of the challenges you've encountered when treating your patients with CMV infections? Thanks, Steph. There are a number of challenges. This firstly relates to the use of off-label drugs with quite limited clinical information to support its use. I touched upon previously the issue of side effects, which are particularly difficult to manage in certain circumstances. And these include neutropenia, bone marrow suppression, and renal impairment. And this limits the use and effectiveness of those drugs. In particular, we touched upon the toxicities, which are particularly hematological toxicity with gansaglovir and its associated prodrug valgansaglovir. And it's a particular issue, as we said, in stem cell transplant, where patients need to engraft and have often a parlous hematological situation. The other toxicities are particularly renal, and that's pertinent especially to drugs such as Foscarnet or Cydofovir, which are usually used as second-line agent. There are issues of drug delivery, as several of these antivirals require intravenous administration. Again, that mainly applies to Foscarnet and Cydofovir, which have to be given by IV infusion, and there is no oral alternative. There are also gaps between guidelines for the management of post-transplant CMV infection and real-world practice. And some of these drugs also have cross-resistance if the patient develops CMV resistance, and we'll talk more about that later. And in particular, there is cross-resistance between gansaclovir and cydofovir. So in conclusion, there are several factors that are taken into consideration in clinical practice when choosing between prophylaxis and preemptive therapy. Clearly, challenges exist with treating CMV infections with antivirals, including the development of resistance. Dr. Sassadeus, with every treatment, there's a risk of patients either being non-responsive to the treatment or experiencing disease progression. What does that look like in CMV infections? So post-transplant CMV infection can fail to respond to treatment, leading to a situation of either refractory or resistant infection. The causes of refractory disease can be due to a variety of causes, including a failure to respond with or without antiviral resistance. Both situations are characterised by a failure to clinically respond to therapy, but resistance in particular is defined by either a failure of a viral road reduction or indeed a rebound or rise in viral road with proven signature mutations on genetic sequencing. And this obviously requires laboratory confirmation. 
There are, however, examples of refractory disease without resistance, and these include intolerance of antiviral therapy due to toxicity, which we touched upon earlier, or pharmacokinetic issues in which the drug is not getting to its target in adequate doses. So what we can see is that refractory and resistant infections have distinct definitions and clinical consequences. So it is important to understand that the failure of treatment occurs not only due to a drug-resistant virus, but due to several other factors, which include host or recipient-related characteristics, type of organ transplanted, inadequate drug delivery, intensity of immunosuppression, and type of prior preventative treatment. Thank you again for joining us today, Dr. Zasadez, and thank you for sharing the enormous challenges with treating CMV in your clinical practice. You've provided us with some valuable insights and we look forward to you joining us again on future episodes. You've been listening to Rare Disease Digest, brought to you in association with Takeda Pharmaceuticals Asia-Pacific. This concludes our feature on cytomegalovirus in transplant recipients. But do stay tuned for more episodes where we will shall focus more on rare bleeding disorders and rare epilepsies. Follow and subscribe to receive updates on future episodes.